This is Valor Radio. Valor, strength of mind and spirit that enables a person to face danger with resolve and determination in battle or in any other situation. Valor, like that displayed by veterans of every branch of the military throughout our community. This radio show, Valor Radio, salutes all of you who have raised your right hands to volunteer to protect and preserve our unique American way of life. Thanks for joining us and your brothers and sisters in uniform. When liberty's in jeopardy, I will always do what's right. I'm out here on the front lines, sleeping peace tonight, American soldier. Now, Valor Radio. Well, hello, sailors, soldiers, airmen, marines, coasties, guardians, and the civilians serving by their side. Welcome on into another Valor Radio. Bob Savage here, and we do not have Colonel Paul Simonelli this week. He's on assignment, uh, which is radio shorthand for goofing off. Uh, we do have, of course, the captain, Steve Amano, in his stead. Well, we have to have some adult supervision. We right? do. Yeah, we. Paul's listening somewhere, but uh, maybe he's sleeping in today. I don't, I don't know. Could be. You well, never good, know. Good man, he's uh, he deserves his time off. He's a hardworking dude. Could be sobering up. I mean, you never know. <laughs> All that Italian food this weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been cooking up a storm lately. I noticed. Oh yeah. yeah. He's he's a good cook. He is. He's, uh, he's, I, I've had a chance to taste it. He's too. a regular old foodie. I've eaten over at uh, at the. Uh, Simonelli Castle several times. Beautiful. Well, we got a lot going on lately. Have you noticed? Um, I wanted to start out with a little bit of an intel report with uh, all this business with Ukraine this weekend. You know, we we not only have the war going on, right in the middle of it, we got a revolt by Putin's mercenary army Mm. that uh, results in uh, the uh, retreat from their march to Moscow, which... Looked for a while there like it was really going to happen. I think they got to within like 200 kilometers or something of, of the capital. And um, it's the notorious Wagner group, Wagner group, whatever you want to call it, led by Yevgeny Perz- I, I can never say his name, Prigozhin. Okay? Yeah, per- you got it. Yep, yep. And he's a one-time protege of Putin. So, he, you know, at one time he was on the—, on the uh, the good side of uh, Vladimir. He's a he's a real thug too. Oh, he's a he's a definitely a thug, and he was um, hit. But although this group that he's in charge of is probably the best trained and equipped non Spetsnaz uh, fighting force that the Russians have in Ukraine, um, I don't really know how they got that way because they've only been around since 2014. But um, this weekend, just to show that they were capable, they invaded and occupied. Rostov on the Don, which is a, a big city, it's like a million people. Yeah, I'll tell you what the, uh, the the pictures I saw on TV looks pretty Western. Looks real Western, and it was pretty modern, and it looked like they were in good stead with the locals. Yeah, that, that there was no hostility. That looked like they were. Oh, the, you know, the locals they, love these Wagners. <laughs> For some reason, I, they're, they're, they're like folk heroes. I guess they're, they're, all, they're all out there taking selfies with them. And yeah, yeah, I saw that. They, and all their, their equipment was like brand spanking new. It wasn't even dirty. So it's pretty pretty impressive. I don't know. I hate to I hate to be impressed by bad guys, but uh, they they got uh, Putin's number all right. Um, Putin apparently negotiated to get the mercenaries to halt their advance and end the revolt. 
as a result of negotiations with the president of Belarus. So, and that's apparently where Prigozhin went. Uh, you know, no one's seen him. He's, I guess he's issued some statements since then, but no one's actually seen him. So I, I personally wouldn't give a plug nickel for the guy's future, knowing the way Vladimir is. Yeah, you know, Vlad's got a long memory. He sure does. However, on the other hand, I mean, I hate on this hand, on the other hand, arguments, but uh, he's, he's a diminished guy. You, you don't, who, Putin is. Oh, Putin is. Big yeah. time. From, from I was gonna get Fred, that. Two, this two is, three, four years ago? Well, I'll tell you what. This is a big hit. This guy would be dead two years yeah, ago. Yeah. I mean, he, well, everybody, he used to tell everybody that, you know, you know like, he's like a don't mess with me kind of guy. And now this guy's not only messed with him, he was, you know, threatening him, actually threatening him. And, and you don't do that with the Vladimir and that, Putin. And that follows up months and months of really strong criticism of the conduct of the war in Ukraine. Right. That's what that's kind of what where, where it started uh, um actually the the uh, the the gripe he seemed he says that he had really was not so much with Putin but with the Minister of Defense. Now, Russian ministers of defense they don't stick around very long if you you should <laughs> notice. Remember early in the in the, the the Ukraine war, every week there was another general killed. And then every week there was a disappearance of another uh, defense minister. So, you know, I, I guess Prigozhin didn't like this defense minister. I, maybe he didn't, but... Um, kind of like White House press secretaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of. They come, <laughs> they go. Yeah, well, he um, Putin says he was going to punish the rebels and uh, the leader, and now he's definitely moderated his position. Um, th- this particular group's been around for uh, um, almost 10 years, uh, supporting Russian uh, aggression. They uh, supported the invasion of Crimea and the Donbass region initially. And over the years, they've been suspected of operating in some 30 countries where Russia has interests, including Syria, Libya, Venezuela, and the Central African Republic. Now, the group is, you know, everybody's got an estimate of what size it is. I heard um, 8,000 the other day, and then I heard 20,000. But I guess Prigozhin says there's about 20,000 in the group. So it depends, I guess, on who you ask. Um, He actually has a very colorful background. Apparently, he was a restaurateur Mm -hmm. before he – I guess he he got himself himself, uh, close to Putin. That's why they call him Putin's chef. Yeah, apparently he was a, a, a big time chef in in Moscow and other places, and um, I guess he started with a hot dog stand, which is kind of interesting, right? Um, and he's um, uh, it, apparently uh, he's admitted to interference with the 2016 U.S. presidential election. I wasn't aware of that. Um, well, yeah, because he was working with Trump. Didn't you get the memo? Oh yeah, that's, that's, right. that's, that's right. Oh, that's, that's right. a okay. joke, folks. <laughs> that's right. And he was on the FBI's most wanted list. Yeah. So well, well he's a he's an ex con, is he not? I mean, a, a lot of these Wagner guys are are uh, aren't they prisoners? Former prisoners? Are they? I you know I I don't know. Are they I, sprung. I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're like uh, no. Would you be surprised if they were? No. No. Especially but, uh, with Vlad. You know, anything that Vlad does is has got a little taint to it. Well, so. yeah, and a lot of muscle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that that's uh, that's our intel report to, just to start the the, the show, and uh, I wanted to also give us an update on. Um, I'm just uh, throwing a quick footnote here too, as long as we're talking about Vlad uh, and yeah. the Russians and uh-huh. Ukraine and Belarus. Uh, this is really scary that this kind of thing is going on with this thermonuclear power. 
with who we've got in the White House, I, this, you know, Biden is obviously not in possession of his faculties. Obviously. And he's being he's being advised by a bunch of escapees from, you know, faculty discussion uh, leaders yeah. uh, in major colleges, yeah. uh, people who do not have a really pragmatic grasp of the of the world uh, around them. And it's just it's just not a good mix. No. So pray for the United States, folks. Yeah, unfortunately, um, and, and and tell you what, it's not getting any better uh, in the services, the military services right now. Every every week, the stuff you read is just it's just bad. And and the service academies are, I think, are probably the laboratories for all this stuff right now. Because um, I've heard some um, statements from graduates of, of military academies in the last couple of years basically saying that it was nothing like they expected it to be from the from day one when they got in they were being indoctrinated great and they and they know it and that that is not a good thing bad for morale yeah no, no question about it you never i never thought i'd see the day when the leadership would countenance that sort of thing when when the leadership would be behind it and that's where we are right now well, yeah I mean, we've seen it with millie and and oh, uh geez. My, who who my was favorite. it that said that uh, you, you know uh, a uh, some foreign adventure was bad news, but what would have been far worse would be if we lost our commitment to diversity. Who was that, Bob? Uh, oh boy, oh geez. senior senior moment. Who, but, who who the hell would say something like that? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we you know like we lost some guys, but uh, at least at least our diversity is intact. Oh no, that's that's horrible. Yeah, we're gonna get more of it, folks. I I hate to say it, but. Um... Anyway, we um, I got another update because we talked a few weeks ago about um, grave robbers at sea. It's oh, been the called, Chinese, yeah. Right, right. It's been called the greatest, the biggest grave robbery in history. Some 40 U.S., um, I'm sorry, 40 World War II warships have already been partially or completely destroyed by Chinese salvage companies. There, there are others doing it, too. Uh, and these are in the South China Sea. And in the Java Sea, some ships have actually been cut in half on the seabed. They've actually found them basically cut in half. What have they stolen? Essentially, low background steel is the first thing they call it. They call it. What that is is um, before the, the nuclear age, before the Bikini Atoll tests, which I guess I guess the nuclear fallout or whatever, I, I guess it affects metal big time. And um, they wanted nothing to do with anything that had been involved with the testing of the nukes or with any of the um, other stuff at sea that, that, that carried nuclear weapons or anything like that. Because apparently when you, when you make certain metal products for science and medical application, you need something that's completely not tainted by nuclear um, fallout or whatever so this low background steel is very highly prized and they were apparently pulling sheets of this stuff even rusty metal they were just hauling up on the deck of these salvage vessels and taking it away and they were literally just picking clean these ships it was so they would re-refine this stuff and then they get a, a super high grade steel smelt it down and make stuff from it and so that's not possible now i guess now that we're in the nuclear age you can't make this kind of steel i you know i i i, I can't believe that no, I, I have to believe that you can, but uh, more but, expensive. But it's, maybe. it's just probably prohibitive to do it. Um, but they're they're trying to just go back and 
And there's a lot of this stuff out there. I mean, it's like a low-hanging fruit, I guess. And some of it's in shallow water, so that's what they're going after first. Cheap now, to get, no problem. Right. Just zoom down there, grab it. So in addition to this, the, the steel, they go for copper cabling. And they got some. They go for phosphor bronze propellers. I guess they're the bronze is really nice stuff, and the brass piping is is outstanding. And they got a lot of ornamental stuff that they probably sell to collectors and stuff like that. They're probably making a lot of money on that as well. And which ship, ships are we talking about? We're talking about mostly Japanese, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, British, Dutch, Australian, and the American ships from the war. The Japanese ships are too numerous to list here. That apparently, they they're, they just went to town on the Japanese ships first because they figured nobody would really care. Well, the Japanese care. <laughs> if there's one country that cares about re- revering the dead, it's the Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the British ships, uh, on the other hand, none of them were spared. Uh, they went after the prize, which was HMS Prince of Wales, was a battleship in the pride of the. Royal Navy in 1941, when it sank on the 10th of December off the coast of Malaya, along with HMS Repulse, which was a battle cruiser. Uh, uh, there, there also were three other uh, destroyers, uh, HMS Exeter, HMS Encounter, and HMS Electra that were sunk between um, 27 February 42 and 1 March, basically in the, the same Java Sea battles. Um, Exeter which was a heavy cruiser, uh, was destroyed by uh, these illegal salvagers in 2016, absolutely destroyed. It doesn't even exist pretty much anymore. The um, encounter was discovered for the first time in 2007 and is almost completely destroyed by 2016. And Electra, um, uh, a destroyer, was sunk uh, by naval gunfire during the Battle of Java Sea, it's also been uh, savaged by these guys. And there's apparently 150 sailors still entombed in those three destroyers. Mm. So that's a, a that's real... That's good. No, it's not. And the, the British are not happy about it. They they really want to do something about it. But I'm not really sure that they're able to. Yeah, what can you do? Nah. I mean, uh, it's international waters, right? There you go. All right. Not the right thing to do, though. Hey, it's uh, Captain Steve Amano with us. Paul Simonelli on uh, vacation or on assignment. And we'll be back with more Valor Radio on the WYSL stations. Once I was a king, I thought, always a king. Cause I just captured someone's heart. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Finger Lakes Fire and Casualty, Route 227, Trumansburg, New York. 
Hi, I'm Alan Ginsberg of the A.M. Ginsberg Advisory Group, LLC. I know a lot of you have heard enough of my ad regarding business continuation. We started this campaign in September 2020, and I want you to know the response has just been tremendous. The best part is that we're seeing the results of our efforts. Business owners who have been procrastinating on how to make sure their business continues on a successful path are starting to make the changes that are needed. Whether it be talking to their children, key employees, or favorite competitors, they are starting to get things done making sure that their life's work doesn't just go by the wayside. Give us a call at 585-377-4720. We'll sit down and talk, find out what your business and family goals are. That's 585-377-4720. Thank you. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. AM Ginsburg Advisory Group and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The colors are red for valor, white for innocence, and blue for justice. Our nation's flag proclaims liberty for all. And our military service members continue to fight for the right to live in freedom. Honor their service and sacrifice with an American-made flag from the Stars and Stripes Flag Store. Visit eflagstore.com to shop now. All proceeds support Veterans Outreach Center and local veterans. You're listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. I love sweet William. And also, Captain Steve Mamano. Paul Simonelli not with us this week. He'll be back next week, I'm sure. And uh, where, are we, where are we going next here, if you'll pardon my, you know, sounding like Biden. Just uh, piggyback on what I was talking about with the ships. Uh, the, they hadn't spared anybody. The Australians also, also had ships out there that, that got... Uh, attacked by these uh, salvage uh, guys. The HMAS Perth was a light cruiser that uh, sank in the same battles in Sunda Strait. Um, This wreck in particular was found in 1967, completely intact on the seabed. And by 2013, it was partially stripped by Indonesian salvagers. And today it is considered 70% gone. So this is kind of nothing new. No. I I guess people have been... Picking, picking these uh, you know the wrecks uh, clean. You know, it reminds me. Remember uh, the movie Airplane? Yes. Remember they were talking about like who had who had fish, and they would keep on showing the plate with the fish bone. Yeah, right. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> like that. Look like a comb. Let's go. What they're doing with these ships. They're like little by little. Like I'll take a mast here, uh, a ship's bell there, and after you know, after a while, all you got is a yeah, it's keel. You, you see, you, you briefly mentioned this. There must be a real market for the uh, uh, the collector market. Oh, for can you imagine artifacts from these oh, ships? I, I, well, you know, if you ever go on eBay, uh, and, and I've, I've been tempted to do it because I, 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 I this stuff is just cool. Um, there's um, a ship from the uh, Battle of Jutland called the Iron Duke. It was the flagship, I think, of Admiral Jellicoe. I think it was, and they made all kinds of stuff out of the teak wood deck. Of the of the the Iron Duke and like napkin holders and bookends and all kinds of stuff that you can buy that are like little souvenirs of the and it says you know from the teak wood deck of the Iron Duke. So, yeah, I wonder. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> how do you you know? Well, it's like this stuff too, though. How do you gonna know if it's a bronze, uh, you know, a, a, a voice tube from the the Prince of Wales or from the you know a PT boat? I don't know. Yeah, so. But uh, the, the U.S. ships, um, 
now I'm offended when they start going after U.S. ships. Now, the one that they went after early on was um, the Langley, USS Langley, which was the first aircraft carrier in the U.S. Navy history. And it was like a pioneer ship. It was a converted Collier back in the you know 20s. They, they got this thing up and running as a flat top. And they did the first like carrier quals and stuff on on on, on the, the the Langley. Uh, it was pretty impressive uh, how aviation got started. That must have been a really small aircraft carrier. Oh, it was. If it was a Collier, it was. It was very small, but it was. Uh, and, and when World War II came around, it was an old bucket, and they just decided to make a seaplane tender out of it, and that's what it was. When it was heavily heavily damaged by. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, by uh, the Japanese uh, Air Force, and, and eventually they, they, uh, they, I think they scuttled it at the time. Um, 27 February 42, Japanese carrier planes attacked it when it was ferrying Army Air Force P-40 Warhawks uh, out of uh, to Java, and it, it got torpedoed and shot up, and and then they just went ahead and sank it. But it's out there, and it's being. Uh, just being uh, stripped by these guys. USS Houston was a heavy cruiser. Uh, it was a very uh, co- much a cause celeb back in the day because a lot of a lot of sailors were lost on the on the Houston when it went down. Uh, One March forty two Battle of Sunda Strait. Uh, the fate of the Houston was not known for nine months at the time. Uh, no one really knew how how it got sunk and what happened. And later on, when the POWs came out of the camps, they they told a story about what happened to Houston. But that ship has really been picked apart by these guys. Some submarines: um, USS Shark, USS Perch, destroyers, Edsel, Pope, Pillsbury. All wow. these ships. Yeah, they were all uh, ships that were part of like the Battle of the Coral Sea. How many? How many? Do we, how many ships do we have down there? Well, I heard an estimate that we have seventeen thousand. There are 17,000 American shipwrecks all over the world. That, that's an incredible stat. From World War II? I, I thought, well, is, maybe that meant 7,000, but they, they were clear in the, in the article I read, 17,000 estimated from all the wars. Oh, from? Uh, going, you know, going back from, to, you know, all, to, from the history time of the country. Memorial. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there'd be, a, I mean, there'd be all kinds of commercial shipping. Oh, yeah. and uh, Sure, that too. But there's still, I mean, I don't think we probably would worry too much about, you know, Sailing ships in the Great Lakes, but uh, if you could find them, but uh, yeah, they, this is unholy. What's going on? And efforts are underway to thwart these guys, but there's no real progress yet. They're they're out there doing it with impunity. There's a lot. There's a lot of room in the Great Lakes, by the way. A lot of shipwrecks. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's, a, there's a great uh, there's a great uh, book called Ships Gone Missing. And uh, I mean, when you consider the real estate, Lake Superior. Here's a fun fact mm-hmm. for you: Lake Superior has one seventh. Of all the fresh water in the world. You're kidding. In the world. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> which will give you a sense of how wow. big uh, Gumi is. Wow. That's a, how deep is Lake Superior? I don't know. How's it look I, I, I'm dying to know how, how, how deep these lakes I'll, are. I'll you know? check it out. I, I'm wondering because I – but, you know, you got to figure uh, – <laughs> there he goes. He's a numbers guy, folks. What can I tell you? Well, um this well, other, you asked. This, yeah. yeah, I'm dying to know because uh, you know because I just think that the Great Lakes is really it's just a cool subject. We we did carrier calls on the Great Lakes in World War II. We had a ship called the Wolverine up in Lake Michigan that they made a, an aircraft carrier up in Lake Michigan, and they used to do. I think George H W Bush did his carrier calls on Wolverine, so it's which is kind of cool. Thirteen hundred and thirty-two feet. Wow, wow, that's like a sea. 
Gives you an idea why it's why it's got one seventh of the water in the world. Beautiful fresh water. But they got some good fishing too. Oh, I'm thinking whitefish, right? Yeah, probably whitefish. Yeah. Um, What's in a name? I don't know. I don't know. Well, the Navy thinks a lot. Apparently, U.S. Navy. See, they're in the process right now of renaming a lot of their ships. Just uh, well, I don't want to say a lot. uh, Some ships, and the first ones that are going to be renamed. Because it's all political correctness, of course. The first ones they're going to get renamed are the Civil War uh, reference Confederate, of course, you know, historically connected. Right. We we have to erase our history, you know, and and we are we're doing it all right. In fact, um, uh, the the first one that they've really gone after that's an active uh, ship is the USS Chancellorsville. Uh, the CG-62. And I'll tell you what's going on with the Chancellorville uh, when we get back from the uh, break. Yeah, we're going to bump out with a little uh, naval movie music here. Uh, this is the theme from Mr. Roberts. It's uh, Valor Radio on the WYSL stations. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. We are back in here with another Valor Radio episode. Paul Simonelli on assignments. So the Colonel should be back next week. We have Captain Steve Mamano. Where were we when we left off? We were talking about the naming convention in the Navy, oh, what, yes. what they're What's doing the with name, names. Right. And, what, you know, they're, they're not only, it's not only what they're, what names they're rescinding, it's what names they're issuing okay so there's a lot of po- and it's all po- political what's going on um the chancellorsville is a, a cruiser um and it was uh it's going to be renamed uss robert smalls um and i was like who the heck is robert smalls well it turns out he was a black civil war sailor and statesman he was a member of the u.s house of representatives okay um i mean what do he you know i don't know uh the other ship that they're concerned about is the USNS Maury, which is a survey ship. Now, this ship was named after an icon at the Naval Academy, a guy named Matthew Fontaine Maury. Maury was um, uh, the person who l- laid much of the foundation for Navy navigation and meteorology during the 19th century. I mean, this guy was, uh, you know, he was it. And, you know, they named Maury Hall after him. I mean, the way they do the navigation training and all that, uh, you know, the classes. It's just a, he's an icon at the Naval Academy. But during the Civil War, he switched his loyalty from the Union to the Confederacy. And that was all she wrote. A lot of people said, you know, he's no longer a hero. He's, you know, but they, they had a lot of issues with it at the time. But, you know, they rehabilitated the guy's image and he kept on going and, you know, well, into the 21st century, we had Maury Hall, and we had all these other things that had statues of him all over the place. And But that had to go, apparently. Uh, the, the Navy Secretary, Carlos del Toro, this is a quote. He said, the renaming of these assets is not about rewriting history. No. 
No, he says. Really? But to remove the focus on the parts of our history that doesn't align, I think he meant that do not align with the tenets of this country, and instead allows us to highlight the events and people in history who have been overlooked. That sounds like pretty revisionist history to me. Exactly. Why Why does it have to be a replacement? If if these people are worthy of remembrance, right. you know, of, of, right. of tribute, uh, why can't we do that without it being at the expense of someone else? Right, I agree. And, and the thing is, it's I think it's a horrible idea to reuse names or to um, even to take the, the name. I mean, right now, as soon as they decided they were going to take the name off that ship, they went ahead and got like um, uh, welders and stuff to go over and literally take the name off the the uh, the stern of the ship. They, I mean, you, they did that in Baltimore with the Taney, which was the Coast Guard cutter. I mean, I saw pictures of it. it had, I mean, this thing has been around since nineteen the thirties, and all of a sudden the name is off the ship. They 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 took that thing off immediately. So that's what they've done with with Chancellorville. It's already pr- probably got the name Robert Smalls on it. If there is a removal, I'm sorry, but it is revisionist. By definition, <laughs> by definition, yeah. If you've it, taken it that name is. off, yeah, yeah, or you take and the same thing with pulling down statues. Well, I, I just have a, have to wonder why you know would Robert Smalls have otherwise have been considered for a combatant ship name? I, I don't think so. Um, in the DEI environment, they want to have an excuse to to put this particular person in and at this particular time they want to strip that name and replace it it's a, it's another demographic it's another check in the box that they can claim you know at election time look what we did for you and i just think it's horrible and it, historically it's a, just an awful precedent to set and furthermore most of the Electorate doesn't care. And most of the electorate does they not care, They right? don't know who Robert Smalls is. Right. Never I don't even him. know who he is. Right. And I'm a, a Navy wonk. Um, look at some of the names of the Navy's newest ships. That'll that'll really give you some indication. Not exactly representative of all of America, okay? First uh, example, last three of five Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyers. That's our best destroyer, okay? Named for uh, Arleigh Burke, um, who's, you know— a, Who's, there's another icon for you, uh, a, a combatant from World War II. Um, they were, uh, three of the five were named for Democrat politicians uh, of Congress, members of Congress, in the Pentagon. Ugh, First is um, USS Carl Levin. Remember him? Oh, yeah. The bald-headed, bald-headed guy. looked like George, Ben Franklin with the glasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. DDG-120. Um, was, was he a Navy guy? He wasn't in the. He was. He didn't have any service. He was a. He was the head of the uh, Senate Armed Services Committee. That's why he got the ship named after him. He never served in the military. Um, in fact, they make a point of saying Carl Levin never served in the military, but he was the chairman. So they're basically making the argument. You know, he he he's a big big Navy supporter, and we really need to reciprocate. So he that was just commissioned Saturday in Baltimore. Okay. USS Daniel Inouye, which I don't have a problem with it because Daniel Inouye is a hero right, to me. Right, um, Longtime Democrat senator from Hawaii, um, uh, legitimately a hero in, in the war in Europe. Um, and uh, I, I think he was a pretty first-rate guy, DDG-118. Um, but uh, the one before that, DDG-117, was USS Paul Ignatius. Now I was like... Hmm, who's Paul Ignatius? He was a hero from the... You know who Paul Ignatius was? Yeah, he was, it's ringing a bell. He was Secretary of the Navy under LBJ from 19... What the hell was it? 1960, 
seven to sixty nine, something like that. Just two years. Right. You right. know, I got to tell you, when I was in the Navy, when I first got in the Navy, the the, the Secretary of the Navy was John Lehman. John Lehman was a big deal at the time. He was he was the, the author of the maritime strategy. He was basically going to give us a 600-ship Navy, and he was doing it. for. He got pretty damn close. But John Lehman is a, was Republican for Reagan. Nobody ever named a ship after John Lehman, and John Lehman was the real deal. Well, how about that? Yeah, I don't know. If, they were, if they were even-handed about it, I wouldn't even say anything, but they're not. Paul Ignatius, Secretary of the Navy, who, who cares? I mean, he's a, he's a bureaucrat, so what? Um, and the Navy crossed the Rubicon when they actually named aircraft carriers after politicians, which is the worst idea oh. of all. Um, USS Carl Vinson was named after the, quote, father of the two-ocean Navy, unquote. Now, I don't know a lot about Car- uh, Carl Vinson, but I know enough about John C. Stennis that, you know, Democrat Mississippi, segregationist. Um, uh, there's big mystery today on how... The name was picked in, for Stennis in the Wait first place. You tell me that the left picked the segregationist as a name for a carrier? Heaven forbid. I mean, like Are a you Robert serious? Bird, like a Robert Bird, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Grand Kliegel of yeah. uh, you <laughs> know, the uh, the clan. Well, you know what they're doing? They're 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 seeing an opportunity. You know why? Because J. C. Stennis, uh, 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 the CV uh, 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 N, the nuclear carrier, is halfway through its service life. They figure it's been around since the, uh, the late eighties, early nineties, and they figure it's about time to do the uh, refueling of the of the reactors, the two reactors, and that's going to take five years in the process. And they figure, what better time? Than now to think about changing the name. When nobody's paying attention. When no one's paying yeah. attention. So that one is right now the Navy acknowledges is a quote-unquote prime candidate to have its name changed. But it's a bizarre it, – it, it, that that's a name that you would think they would be campaigning to remove. Right. Segregation is not, right. not, not – wow. Uh, but they're not – but they're, they're, they're doing it at their own pace and they're doing – and they're doing it um, – in ways that that no one could have foreseen ten years ago, even. Uh, but right now they're in high gear. I mean, it's going full bore. And I mean, they've what they've done at the service academies with re, uh, removing names is um, is pretty amazing, and it, it's a breakneck uh, pace right now. So, well, that's the that's the standard uh, pace of everything democratic these days, right? On the Democrat right. side, because they know that their agenda is nuts, and that the American people are not buying it. And that their time is limited. Right. Well, I, I got a question for you. How much time we got? Well, why don't we go to break? Let's go to break. If, if you want, if you want okay. to move into something else here, okay. and then uh, we'll uh, we'll be back with more. We were just talking during the break about Flight of the Phoenix, the 1965 original movie, please. And uh, oh, is this it? Yeah, back in uh, back in '65, chart-topping artist was Connie Francis. That's Connie, and she got the uh, she got the title theme from Flight of the Phoenix. Uh, back in 65, uh, the sense of Fina.
your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, delivery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Finger Lakes Fire and Casualty, Route 227, Trumansburg, New York. The colors are red for valor, white for innocence, and blue for justice. Our nation's flag proclaims liberty for all. And our military service members continue to fight for the right to live in freedom. Honor their service and sacrifice with an American-made flag from the Stars and Stripes Flag Store. Visit eflagstore.com to shop now. All proceeds support Veterans Outreach Center and local veterans. Join Abate Monroe County, American bikers aimed toward education and help adult bikers ride free and safe. Check out our meetings on the third Friday monthly at Wise Guys Diner and Catering, 2811 Dewey Avenue. Join Abate for less than 50 cents a week. Google Abate Monroe County on the web. Hey, how about becoming a member of the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York? Help us preserve history. Plus, you get some pretty fancy benefits. Visit us online, nationalwarplanemuseum.com. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. Captain, I'm going to let you introduce this. Ah, I love this. This one gets me 10 hot. This is, uh, here we go. This is the Kane Mutiny. Max Steiner, the great Max Steiner. Nobody better than Max Steiner. He gave us the, he gave us the music for Casablanca. That's right. Here we go. Here we go. Ah, ah! Don't you want to join the Navy after you hear that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I but, did, but thanks for the invite. <laughs> I love that. That's a great intro. You don't get better than Max Steiner. 1954. Yep. Humphrey Bogart. Bogie. Yep. And, uh, uh, Van Johnson. Uh, 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 Jose Ferrer. Just a great mo- Fred McMurray. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fred McMurray. Yeah, that's right. a great, the great, and he did a great job, didn't he? Well, um, I, 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 we may we may reference uh, him in, in the in these uh, trivia questions. What we're doing here is we're doing Navy movie trivia. We we did it. We made a crack at it the last time, but I only got through I think a couple questions. But uh, this is my uh, attempt again to stump the, uh, the 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 king of all media, Bob Savage. So we're gonna we're gonna start with um, question one. All of the famous, all of these famous Hollywood actors served in the U.S. Navy during wartime. Except for one. Was it Humphrey Bogart, Lou Ayers, Edward G. Robinson, Eddie Albert, or Paul Newman? Uh, I think it was Bogey, wasn't it? Bogey served. 
He did. Yes, he did. He served on the USS Leviathan, and he was uh, apparently there was he, he, he that's the lip thing he's got was a result of some uh, injury he re, he received while he was a sailor. So no, nope, you. Uh, we don't have a, a, a you know a, maybe we could do that that uh, Thames thing. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'll pull it up. Okay, I, I just want. I don't know. We. I just love to hear it anyway. Uh, no, the answer is Lou Ayers. Lou Ayers was a conscientious objector in World War II. Edward G. Robinson was a uh, World War One uh, sailor, and he made chief in the Navy. Eddie Albert drove Amtrak's at Saipan, and Paul Newman was an aviation radio man on USS Bunker Hill. Yeah, I, I knew that uh, Robinson was in the service. Yeah. Bogey was – was, there's a great picture of Bogey wearing his uh, his jumper. You ever see a picture? It's a great picture, by okay. the way. All right. All right. Um, question number two. All right. They Were Expendable was a 1945 MGM film directed by Captain John Ford, USNR, while he was still on active duty and starred Robert Montgomery, who was also – still on uh, in uniform at the time. In addition to being Ford's uh, tribute to the fleet that helped win the war, They Were Expendable was also an homage to the Navy chief petty officers for whom Ford had particular affection. One actor in particular epitomized the strength, toughness, and determination of the leading chief in Motor Torpedo Boat Squadron 3. Was it William Bendix, Ward Bond, James Gleason, George Tobias or William Frawley? I know I'm giving you a lot. Mm, yeah, uh, it's just straight straight guess here. Uh, um, I'm going to go with William Bendix. Good, it's a good guess, but it's not. It's not the the, the, the answer. The answer is Ward Bond played Chief Mulcahy. Um, in fact, there's a great scene at the end of the movie where um, Robert Montgomery puts his binoculars around the, 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 the neck of Chief Mulcahy because they're basically abandoning them. They're leaving, and these guys are uh, – there's no planes coming to get them. Basically, they're, they're, they're being left behind for the Japanese. And he, he gives them – it's like he's passing the torch to Chief Mulcahy. So it was Ward Bond is the answer to that one. Uh, question number three. All of the following actresses played the role of a Navy nurse in at least one motion picture, except for one who did it twice. Was it Ann Southern, Marion Ross, thank you, Patricia Neal, or Donna Reed? Mm, Patricia Neal. Bingo, you got it. Did I get it? Yep, you did. All right. Yes, yeah, she. He... <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. I love that one. Yeah, Patricia Neal did it in uh, in Harm's Way and in uh, Operation Pacific with John Wayne. Oh, beautiful. Okay. All right, there you go. All right, you're on a roll. In the 1943 British film In Which We Serve, Noel Coward plays Royal Navy Captain E.V. Kenross, a buttoned-up disciplinarian who changes dramatically after his destroyer is sunk in the Mediterranean by the German Air Force. In the process, most of his crew is killed. The, the name of the ship becomes a rallying cry at the end of the film. Remember the blank. Was it uh, HMS Bounty, HMS Torin, HMS Compass Rose, or HMS Periwinkle? Say it again. What were the choices? HMS Bounty, HMS Torin, HMS Compass Rose, or HMS Periwinkle? I'm saying Bounty. No. 
I'm incorrect. It's HMS Torin. Remember the Torin. In fact, there's a, the ship goes down, and they uh, and most of the crew is killed. There's only a, a handful of guys left at the end of the movie. It's a, a powerful film if you ever get a chance to see it. That's one of those films that you, I hope you'll get a chance to see one of these days. Okay. And, and that's the title? Remember the Torrent? No, it was uh, um, In Which We Serve. In Which We Serve. Yep. Okay. It, 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 it was one of the great films of World War II. Uh, William F. Bohalsey of New Jersey was one of only four ad, uh, officers in the U.S. Navy to achieve the rank of Fleet Admiral. That's five stars. Admiral Halsey. Dur- during World War II. Only one, of the, uh, one of the, only one of the following actors has never portrayed Halsey, never portrayed him in a motion picture. Was it not James Whitmore... Dennis Quaid, James Cagney, or Brian Dennehy? Wait a minute. What are you asking? Was it not? Well, yeah. Which There's one? There's only one that wasn't? Is that what the only saying? one that wasn't, right? Okay. The, right. Well, choices again. James Whitmore, Dennis Quaid, James Cagney, and Brian Dennehy. One of them never played Halsey in a movie. Um, I'm, I'm saying Quaid. Incorrect. Actually, I, I would have said Quaid, too, but, you know, they just uh, made a movie in 2019 called Midway, and he played Bill Oh, Halsey. that thing. And he, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, he, but he actually didn't do a bad job. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised. But uh, the other person I could have mentioned was Robert Mitchum. He played Halsey in Midway, the original Midway. Okay, final question. Uh, final question. In the 1959 Blake Edwards submarine comedy, Operation Petticoat, the character played by Tony Curtis goes to great lengths to conceal the identity of Seaman Hornsby. Who or what is Seaman Hornsby? Was he A, a Japanese dentist? B, a wave named Dolores? C, a prisoner named Ramon? Or D, a very large pig? Uh, D, very large pig. Yes. Hey, hey there you go. I got two. Remember this scene with the... Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Oh, you're, a guess. Oh, oh, you're in for a treat. I, wanna, I don't want to ruin it, but the scene with Tony Curtis and uh, Gavin McLeod, mm-hmm. his uh, uncle, Seaman Hunkle, he was the yeoman. They're, they're, they're stealing a pig from a, a Filipino farmer, and they're in a, in, a, in a truck, and they basically got a pig. They steal the pig from the farmer, and they, they're going through a checkpoint, and there's... Uh, uh, guys coming up with rifles, and they said, oh, my God, they're shooting looters. Well, they got a, p- a pig in the car they just looted from these guys. Uh-oh. And Jimmy or uh, uh, Tony Curtis says, put the cap on the pig. And he puts a, a, a pea coat and a cap on the pig. And he goes to the checkpoint, and they ask questions of the guy. <laughs> and the, and the, uh, the, 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 the scene, he gets out away with it. And then the, the, as they drive away, the, the line is, and it's hilarious, is uh, – now I know why they call those submarine boat uh, submarines pig boats. Man, he was the ugliest. <laughs> it's a great movie, folks. If you've never seen it, it world's it's, world's most uh, nearsighted checkpoint personnel. Oh my God! It was it, it, Tony Curtis. It, it, Tony Curtis and, and uh, Cary Grant are, are two of the best comedic actors. You put them together in one movie, and they're well, just unbeatable. Blake, Blake Edwards. I mean, come there on. you go. Here, there's the there guy. There you go. I mean, Blake Edwards. Pink Panther movies. Yep. And, there you go. And that's it. That's a, that's all. Uh, I think we had. Um, oh, I just want to mention one thing. Uh, since we're um, how couple, many? Couple, a couple of minutes left. We got a couple of minutes. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to mention a couple of names. Please, um, yeah. Just uh, we we were talking about guys uh, from the uh, Okinawa battle, and uh, we never got to some of them. I'm just going to mention them. PFC John S. 
Masseray, U.S. Marine Corps Reserve, 24 years old, was with Fox Company, 2nd Battalion, 7th Marine Regiment, 1st Marine Division. He was killed in action 12 May 45 on Okinawa. He attended Ben Franklin High School and was a member of Annunciation Parish. He lived with his father before the war at 175 Hillcrest Street. He's buried at Holy Sepulcher Cemetery and posthumously awarded the Purple Heart. First Lieutenant Kenneth R. Nolan, U.S. Army Air Force, 23 years old, was with 163rd Liaison Squadron, killed in a vehicle accident, 22 August 45 on Okinawa. That's after the uh, battle ended. It was prim- uh, previously employed by Eastman Kodak Company and lived at 4107 Lake Road, Brockport. And he's buried in Lakeside Cemetery. Staff Sergeant Terrence Francis Newcomb, U.S. Army, was 33 years old. He was an infantryman with King Company, 307th Infantry Regiment, 77th Infantry Division. He was killed in action 1 May 45 in Okinawa and was awarded the Bronze Star with Oak Leaf Cluster and the Purple Heart. He was a member of Holy Cross Parish. His parents lived at 31 Stonewood Avenue, and he's buried at Punch Bowl Cemetery in Honolulu. God bless them all. Captain Steve, thanks for doing all the uh, work research. Thank you for uh, letting me do it. uh, So we can remember these guys. Appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. That's all the time we have for uh, Valor Radio this week. Great job. uh, Thank you. See you next time, Paul. Thanks. Thanks for uh, being here. And thank you, listeners, for for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Valor Radio when uh, Colonel Paul Simonelli returns. Have a great week. From my head down to my boots, I don't do it for the money. There's bills that I can't pay I don't do it for the glory I just do it anyway Providing for our future